Greg Kerr gave me an awful lot of hassle on the commentary last year for talking about John McGinn's arse. But then I heard John McGinn recently talking about his arse and been you know, quite delighted with uh, the impact his arse can make. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. You ain't shit! I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. <laughs> My fans can be the harshest critics, you know. They often are. A wife is often the harshest critic <laughs> of her husband. <laughs> I thought I was invincible. That's what you're, you're trained to believe as a sports person. There was four million people in Ireland who knew much more about managing <laughs> football teams than I did. When it comes to music, I can spoof with the best. Your sporting career is the best time you'll have, and, you know, you have to hang on to it for as long as your life because everything else is pretty crappy. And this is not lies. Stephen Rochard has never spoken to Jimmy McGinnis in his life. Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us, everyone in. And this is Off the Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. You can text us five three one zero six for streaming the conversation as well. Listen on News Talk. Also watch us on the digital and social channels for Off the Ball for Periscope and Twitter at Off the Ball YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. If you haven't downloaded it already, do so by uh, searching OTB Sports in your app store. This is the Saturday panel. Don't know about you. I felt a bit strange in the last couple of weeks. I'm not thinking about COVID-19 for the first time in a couple of years. And next week, we have the Six Nations back with crowds, with the rituals, the hip flask, the sheepskin coach to give the cliches, to meeting friends, to having the conversations, to maybe booking a trip to Twickenham or Paris. It's absolutely fantastic that it's back with full houses. We're just so lucky to have the experience. It's just one of the great sporting competitions. And the nights are getting a little bit longer in terms of the evening stretching a bit so I just can't wait for it Ireland-Wales next week we play France and England away we play Italy at home and we've got Scotland in the last game at home after those two bank holidays in the middle of March so we're going to look ahead over the next hour Alan Quinlan regular News Talk Quinny is going to be with us after two but first we're delighted to be joined by the 92 cap winning Ireland and Leinster second row Malcolm O'Kelly and the Welsh Grand Slam winning coach of 2005 former Leinster and Ireland under 20 coach as well Mike Ruddock Man and Mike how are you getting on? Yeah good I'm getting my Welsh accent back John uh, you know it took me a little while after moving back to Wales two years ago but uh, it's coming through strong I think so uh, yeah back talking with a Welsh uh, accent again Osprey's director or development manager is it now you're you're involved with the club there at the moment Mike? Yeah yeah, so look, uh, I'm in my 60s. I didn't want to sort of stay in frontline coaching. I did my 35 years. So I'm overseeing our pathway now, um, looking at the talent coming through, identifying guys for contracts for the future, and trying to identify guys um, that we could bring into the pathway from outside our region. So, for example, uh, there's a couple of lads I've had from Ireland there. Will Hickey who was a St. Michael's uh, College uh, standout player. Uh, back rower, he made his debut for us in Europe. A couple of weeks ago, Jack Regan, you might remember, was in the Leinster Academy up in Ulster as well. He went off to play Super Rugby in New Zealand. So, you know, I got hold of him and got him over to the Ospreys. So it's it's that sort of role, really, and I'm I'm, I'm really enjoying it, you know. And we know you've got um, a very much an Irish family. Your wife's Irish. You got Reese and you got Kieran as well. So it's Wales first, but Ireland a very close second, I'm sure, Mike. <laughs> I'm a 60-50 Welshman, you know, because my mother was Irish. Um, so whoever wins, I, I sort of turn the scarf around John and I celebrate for. Um, you know, obviously, Kieran, Mal and I were talking earlier. Uh, he was asking me about Kieran, who was played a couple of games for Leinster. 
was in the Leinster Academy. He's now one of the conditioning coaches for the Ireland team. So uh, he'll be on the sideline warming the subs up next Saturday. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, involved with the Irish camp. So we want to, you know, sort of support him. But obviously, as a Welshman as well, uh, we're hoping that Wales uh, hit a bit of form and uh, defy the odds and, and play very well over in Ireland. But, you know, it's going to be a tough ask for them now at the moment, uh, given their form in the autumn. Big time, Mike, and uh, great to talk to you again. Mal, 92 caps, as I said, for Ireland. I remember being at Twickenham in 04. That was a, such a great day. What does the competition mean to you as a whole, the Six Nations, Mal? Um, yeah, Six Nations is, I think, as a player... It's uh, just such an exciting competition to be part of. Um, it's something that you really want to be part of. Uh, you want to be playing your best. It's, you know, there's just nothing like going out and playing for your country. It's super special. And that, and that um, certainly when I was involved, it was a competition that we felt we had a chance of winning but we knew we had a lot of work to do and we knew we had to, we could lose any of the matches. Uh, it was so competitive. Um, and uh, the rewards were fantastic. It was just, any any win, it was just amazing. Uh, the crowds were so behind us. Uh, the atmosphere is so amazing. Like you go and play in Twickenham and uh, the Millennium Stadium in Wales and, uh, and over in Paris and, and Murrayfield. It's just unbelievable. The atmosphere is incredible. Um, and it's just something that, you know, it's hard to put into words, but it's such an amazing emotion and a great pride in to have been involved in. Um, and Mike, obviously, was involved in coaching Wales for a long time. Uh, and uh, it's just an amazing thing to be part of. How would the nerves compare, Mal, between, say, a Six Nations game and a World Cup game or a Lions game? Um, nerves is a funny one. Yeah, I think nerves is the same almost for any match. Um, nerves, you know, the further you're away from the game, the nerves are almost worse. Uh, <laughs> something else comes over. It's a kind of excitement. Uh, it's a uh, uh, an anticipation um uh, like I used to get some nerves, but we we became so well at, good at dealing with all these things. They became they kept we became almost like a positive. You know, if you had nerves, you knew you're in the right place. So, you know, when you say nerves, I don't think nerves really come into it. It's it's just anticipation and excitement. Um, I know maybe for your first cap, you would you would you would you'd be going into the unknown. Uh, but there's just, you know, there can be disappointment, there can be relief, there can be all these other kind of characteristics and things that, uh, you know, drive you. Um, but, uh, yeah, nerves, uh, I don't I don't remember them being an issue anyway. Mind you, we had a couple of guys who would be barfing in the, in the <laughs> toilet beforehand and uh you know and other guys that would that would be couldn't sit still and then you had other guys who would uh be uh key wood you should always be non-stop talking and laughing and joking and other guys would be sitting in the corners doing nothing so maybe people deal with nerves differently i just was all those people who say i was very very laid back and you know and maybe it's the fact that i didn't really suffer from nerves too much you know so 
Mike, when you look at Wales, you, you, and with all respect to Ospreys and every other club there, they don't win European Cups. But then when they turn up in the Six Nations, they've been the most successful team in the last 10 years of it. Four championships. They won the Grand Slam in 2019. They nearly won it last year. They won the championship last year. What is it? What is it with that red jersey? Why do Wales players seem to be able to deliver on an international stage that when you and every single year we seem to write them off? Yeah, it's a great question, John. Before I answer it, I just want to... Yeah, Mal was talking about the fact he was quite laid back. I remember being on the bus going to the final training session, Mal with Ireland. I was helping uh, Brian Ashton out, and you got your first cap. And you got up, the boys made you get up the front of the bus and sing, give a song, you know? And he's just so laid back, you know? Uh, just loved it. There was no nerves about him. But then you see him explode then onto the field, and you see the other side of Mal O'Kelly, the great competitor. But uh, yeah, you certainly were took it all in your stride, mate. And, and like you said, the best players know they've trained for this moment. They've trained for these days, you know, John, and um, it becomes sort of second nature for them. But the question about Wales, look, we've won six titles, I think, in the last 18 seasons. We've won three Grand Slams in the last 18 seasons. Um, what is it about Wales, as you said, with the region struggling? Well, you know, in Wales, we are quite tribal. We're very tribal, in fact. And the only time we ever really came to, together was under Queen Bodicea. Uh, when the Romans invaded and we all sort of clubbed together and, and bashed up the Romans a bit um, and they found it tough to get into Wales. So it's the same with the Welsh team. You know, we we sort of got this unique ability to all come together. You know, Miles played in, uh, you know, the, the Millennium Stadium, the Principality Stadium, uh, as it's called now. Um, he should, you know, everyone's singing Bread of Heaven. Uh, these guys who might have struggled for their regions, struggle in Europe, uh, are now 10 feet tall. The whole of the country are behind them. The heritage, uh, the expectation, um, the support, the confidence um, that that gives them is is unique. And, you know, who would have thought last season, coming into last season's Six Nations, that Wales would have won the Six Nations? Who predicted that? Because they're pretty, they're pretty poor in the autumn beforehand. Um, and they were like two minutes away from winning yet another Grand Slam out in France. I mean, it was unbelievable. So, look, I'm sitting here thinking it's going to be really tough uh, for Wales in Dublin. Uh, very, very difficult because, you know, Ireland have just beaten the All Blacks, for example, a very settled squad. But how do you write off Wales, even with the injuries they've got? You know, uh, if they turn up, front up, uh, and get the physical side of things going, then, you know, they can be a handful. Yeah, Alan Jones, the main injury, the... Uh... The Lions skipper. Where are the tight calls then, Mike, when it comes to the Irish team, in your view? Where does Andy Farrell have to consult his coaching team around which positions? Obviously, we know the front row, for example. We know that Johnny Sexton's going to play. We know that Hugo Keenan's going to play. But what for you are the tight calls? Well, it, just just quickly on the injuries for Wales, there are a lot of injuries. I think it's significant, really. Alan Wynne Jones, Ken Owens, the hooker, they're going to miss him. They struggled when he's not played in the line out. Falatau's not there, Lydiot's not there, Tipperick, George North, Josh Davidi, Lee Halfpenny. So I think Wales are in transition. There's a bit of pressure off Pivac because they won the Six Nations last season. So I think he's probably, you know, even if things don't go too well this season, um, he can go in transition. He can blood a few guys ready for the World Cup. And that'll be his sort of challenge, if you like, to manoeuvre this particular Six Nations. Obviously, if they win in Ireland, he gets the, the, the dream start, then anything can happen. But it's sort of not the end of the world. I think there's a little bit more pressure on uh, Andy Farrell. He's had a couple of seasons now. They've, you know, 
he's, he sort of built the squad, built the team he wants. Um, they've beaten the All Blacks, so I think there's a lot of expectation now. So, you know, we talked earlier about nerves. That's slightly different to pressure. You know, there's a there's a pressure of expectation now on the island team. On paper, on form, you know, with the players delivering in Europe, the island team should should win this game reasonably comfortably and, you know, they should be there or thereabouts for the championship. But suddenly that pressure of expectation suddenly weighs on can weigh on the team. Uh, if if you allow it to permeate the top sort of two inches. In terms of the call as well, um, the pack is very settled. Um, I, I'm going to claim uh, that I put a bit of Gwent into uh, the Irish pack. You know, I, I coached uh, Dan Sheehan, Roland Keller and in, in Lansdowne, uh, James Ryan in Lansdowne, straight out of school, Ian Henderson, Tyg Furlong, uh, George Van der Fleer, Tyg Byrne, Jack Cohn and all his boys through the end of 20. So I'm claiming I've put a bit of Welsh uh, Gwent into them. <laughs> and they're pretty settled. <laughs> they're pretty settled. So I don't think there's many tight calls in the pack. Um, I think, obviously, there's a little bit of pressure around whether Conor Murray starts at nine. Um, Sexton, obviously, is a fixture at 10. Um, you know, the wings possibly are up for debate. Um Henshaw obviously is a, is a is 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 a shoe in, so it's it's just around one of the centre spots possibly, and around the wings. Otherwise, it's very settled, very very settled scrum half possibly. But you know, you guys have been watching the team and watching uh, the provinces, so you'll know a little bit more about about that for me. But the first thing I can sort of point to is how settled that squad is. Mal, when we look at the Ireland team, I was kind of going through it today. What it might be against Wales, I would say probably eleven Leinster players. They're playing week in week reach out Matt Williams had an article today about the Wallabies in 91 and how they had like such a settled team and, and how much of that like familiarity is, is really helping Ireland right now and the continuity between the provinces and, and the national team um, it's, it's, it's been over the years it's been a huge uh, help to to Ireland getting off the mark um, there, you know there is the threats to it as well but there's undoubted uh, opportunities there the fact that you know your player you know what he's going to do uh, you know the movements and the line out you know how to lift the guy you know the way it works uh, but there's 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 also threats there as well and you've got big cliques and you've got a Munster clique a Leinster clique and those guys play a certain way so it's very important for the all the guys to come in and put down their Leinster jersey put down the Munster jersey Ulster Connacht and put on the Irish jersey and it, and play the Irish way, uh, and not to fall back onto what works with Leinster, what works with Munster. Um, they need to be uh, all playing off the same hymn sheet, believing in the plan, and then the fact that they kind of know each other and know how to run off each other and know what each other does, and know the characteristics, know know uh, you know and the, that they can rely on each other, uh, that that will stand to them. Rugby coverage and off the ball. Thanks to Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team, team of us, everyone in. We have got to let you go shortly, Mike. I know you've got to go out to the Ospreys later on, but we really appreciate your time. Just in terms of the overall competition, uh, England, a little bit of transition. Noah won Farrell for the tournament. France haven't won the Six Nations since 2010. Amazingly, they obviously have DuPont as the, the fulcrum of their uh, team. How do you assess the overall competition? Well, as Mal said, it's it's just absolutely brilliant. It's just so exciting, you know. It's um, you know, I think in the southern hemisphere, you know, 
there was a, there was a period where we all sort of looked with a little bit of envy at Super Rugby in the early days and and sort of uh, Tri Nations. But you know, when you sort of keep boiling it down and keep looking at it, we realised they were very envious of our Six Nations and um, and the magnitude, you know, the intensity of it. Um, it's it's just such a premier tournament and it's it's just incredible the way it sort of captivates the hearts and minds of everyone involved as to the you know the the teams you know I've always been a big believer in momentum in any tournament you know certainly with Wales in 2005 you know we were in transition no one expected us to do well uh, England uh, Clive Woodward has, has sort of stepped down Andy Robinson came in um, he changed the team around a little bit and we saw an opportunity they were world champions at the time, but they were starting to break up a little bit some of the combinations they had. And, you know, we, we got a result against England in the first game that builds momentum. In fact, we didn't just um, beat England, we absolutely hammered them uh, 11 9. Uh, Gavin Ensign batted um, Matthew Tate, you might remember, with a couple of tackles. And the point of that story is. Like if you can just win that first game and build some momentum, anything can happen. You know, you look at France and you think, well, they've just beaten the All Blacks. They're going to come into the tournament so confident, really. Um, can they be consistent? I mean, that's the big thing with France. No one really wants to play them when they're on fire, but if they if they turn up on on, on one of those days where they just don't seem to be on the money, then then obviously they're very very beatable. You're right about England. They've lost a lot of key players and. Um, Again, you know, Eddie Jones is under a little bit of pressure to to sort of change around his squad and and, and sort of create a, a fresh look. So uh, a bit like Andy Robinson did back in 2005, if there's a couple of guys and a couple of combinations that are not quite on the money, then suddenly England become uh, very vulnerable. So, you know, you'd have to say uh, Ireland, uh, with a, such a settled squad and which with the form and... Um, you know, the, the confidence of, of beating the All Blacks under their belt, you'd have to say Ireland would be pretty much, in my mind, one of the favourites or the favourite team for for the Six Nations. And just to, to finish, Mike, a quick test score verdict on Ireland-Wales next week? <laughs> uh, I, I have no idea at all. I have no idea. I mean, this <laughs> first game, everyone's going to go in. I expect Ireland to win. Okay. I expect Ireland to win, but uh, who knows? Okay. Score. Mike, great to see you again. Great to talk to you. And good luck with the Ospreys later on today. Thanks a million. Good Mike. to talk to you, John. Thanks, uh, Mal. You're Mike Rodick uh, there. Mal O'Kelly, thankfully, as well, um, is also staying on with us until half two with Quinny. Quinny coming up after two on our Saturday panel preview of the Six Nations. Any questions or comments for the guests? Uh, who's going to win the tournament? Who do you want to see in the Ireland team? Which Ireland player will surprise in the tournament? Are you going to Twickenham or Paris? Are you planning your trip? And what is your match day ritual as well for Six Nations game? We'd love to hear from you off the ball Saturday on News Talk. Back after the news. The Saturday panel on Off The Ball. And this is Off The Ball Saturday on News Talk. John Duggan with you through until five. You can text us 53106 or tweet us off the, all, off the ball. This is uh, part two of the Saturday panel. We're previewing the Six Nations, uh, which begins next weekend. Ireland playing Wales next Saturday, a trip to France then, followed by a home game against Italy, a trip to England, and finally a home match against Scotland on March the 19th. You can listen on News Talk Watches as well on the digital and social channels for Periscope on Twitter, at Off The Ball, YouTube, Facebook, and on the OTB Sports app. Former Ireland and Leinster lock Mallow Kelly is still with us. We're delighted as well to be joined by Quinny, the News Talk Parish regular, ex-Munster and Ireland back row, Alan Quinlan. Alan, how are you? I'm uh, good, John. Thanks, Jim. Uh, how are you, Mal? 
All right, uh, Quinny. Good, good to hear you. I can't see you though. It's all right. See me. It's okay. It's okay. We're we're all on the screen. It's all the the wonders of technology are coming together. I was actually looking through. Um, ESPN here and your first uh, Six Nations game Quinny was on the 3rd of February 2001 against Italy in Rome I believe and Malo Kelly was also alongside you that day in the pack Yeah that was right uh, good memories John I think um, I made my debut in 99 but didn't play for for two years then for Ireland and um, going to Rome in, 90, in 2001 was, was really special I think the whole feel of the place uh, my parents came out, a couple of friends, a uh, bit of a whirlwind trip, and uh, we had a great win there and a great night as well. That was the most important part of it, wasn't it, Mal? That we had a good night out there. That's that's normally the bits you remember when you win. You have, <laughs> you have meetings if you lose and parties if you win. Very good. How are you feeling Ireland are set now, Quinny? We know we finished well last year against England. We beat the All Blacks. Uh, there seems to be more of an expansive game plan it seems like the players are playing without fear. They seem to be enjoying Andy Farrell's coaching. There's a lot of competition for places. I feel we're very well set. Are we? Yeah, I think they're in a good good place. Um, we have to probably be a little bit careful about getting too excited because um, I think what happened in 2018 and then you know winning a Grand Slam, we all got... I suppose not ahead of ourselves, but really thought that the World Cup was going to be a successful a successful tournament for us and all of 2019 was pretty disappointing to be honest um, you know the Six Nations the, the the World Cup warm-ups the World Cup itself and unfortunately for Joe Schmidt it kind of it kind of left a negative kind of end for him um, given everything he'd achieved and, and done with the team I think it was it was it was disappointing for him and the team because they've been on a brilliant run for a number of years so um of course, we're you should we should be optimistic because what we saw and you said it yourself at the end of the Six Nations last year there was signs about the way their game was developing and an exciting brand of rugby and some of the execution was superb and then I didn't really know what to expect in November. I think initially I thought Japan was going to be very tricky. We certainly owed them one after the World Cup, but I thought that they'd make it really difficult for us and I just thought that performance was so clinical execution they won all the physical exchanges and and it was a really impressive performance and then obviously the All Blacks the week after and they finished on a high then against Argentina so I think they've taken a step to a different level as regards the attack and they've you know Mike Cat was under a lot of um, getting a lot of criticism about the, the style of play maybe kicking too much and, and not seeing enough attack and we saw we saw bucket loads of that in, in, in November, which would give you cause for optimism. But the Six Nations can be very difficult, John. You know, you can, it's a, it takes on a, a whole new world of its own. And um, even with Wales, I know Mike was talking about Wales with that before, and, and they're probably not that optimistic. Usually Wales win the tournament when people are writing them off. Um, so it's, I think there's definitely reason to be optimistic and, and confident that Ireland could do well in this tournament. But, the two big teams, England and France, are away from home. Big time, Quinny. Yeah, and you spoke about the World Cup there. And Mal, Jack Carty hasn't played since the World Cup. Got a bit of criticism, uh, but he is in good form for Connacht. He sees a space. He kicks the ball well. He seems to be up for it. It like likely now that Carberry might not be fit as an understudy for Sexton. We know Sexton's the first name in the team sheet, but Jack Carty's going to get his chance at the end of games or maybe in the Italy game, and hopefully he can flourish back into the role. 
Yeah, I think that's that should be a key takeaway for Ireland at the end of the Six Nations in that they have, you know, either blooded Jack Carty or we've discovered a, a suitable replacement for Johnny. Um, because we know we all know Johnny's injury profile and we can't we can't rely and nor can, nor can any country rely on one player uh, as much as probably we do um, so for that reason alone the likes of getting Jack Carty involved be him starting in in a in a game as well would be would be fantastic for him and for the squad as well um, we've he's shown what he's capable of uh, in Connacht uh, he's got a huge range of skills um, and I think it, it, for, for Ireland and for his development, it's been able to pick the right thing and choose the right thing and, and, and find the right, the right uh, uh, play that suits this Irish team and what they're doing. Uh, he, has to, he will obviously bring uh, you know, something different to, than what, what Johnny brings, but he can equally bring something as effective as what Johnny brings. So it's really important for him that he gets some game time and not and as you say not just not just ten, 10 minutes at the end of a game he does need a chance uh, to develop because it is a very uh, high intensity high pressure environment conditions are not not ideal uh, the, the the pressures uh, are from the opposition defenses are huge um, and what works in Connacht may not work for Ireland so he needs to develop his game um, and be given that opportunity, and and that's so important for Ireland going forward. Um, uh, Carberry was has been given a few has been given opportunity, but we know that at the moment he's just not getting enough game time, and he's not on the pitch long enough. Um, so Ireland really do need to look elsewhere, um, and so I, I'd be you know really hopeful uh, that uh, Jack will see you know a decent amount of game time. Quinny, who were your centres? In Warren Gatlin's mind, it was clearly Robbie Hanshaw and Bundy Aki. You've got Gary Ringrose there, obviously, as well. And James Hume is now beginning to get into the conversation. So there's a, maybe an axis of not only three, but four now. Who do you like in the centre positions? Yeah, and Chris Farrell is someone who was, was probably number four. James Hume was after jumping ahead of him. So there's, there's a lot of options. Stuart McCluskey has played really well for Ulster this year. I know he's been in and out of the squad and on the fringes a little bit, but I suppose I was asked this question earlier in the week, who do you play in the centre? Is it Aki, Henshaw, Aki, Ringrose, Henshaw, Ringrose? And I, 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 you probably lean a little bit towards Henshaw, Ringrose because of the, the partnership with Leinster. I just think it's hard to leave Gary Ringrose out there, out of the team, given his evasive running, um, his handling skills, and that little bit of creativity that he probably has more than, than the other two. Um, it's very difficult, John. I don't know. There's, you're splitting hairs here between uh, between the three three guys because um, but I think it probably tips the balance for me a little bit, Henshaw and, and Ringrose. Even though Henshaw hasn't played much rugby this year, I just find if Robbie Henshaw is available for any team, whether it be the Lions, Ireland, Leinster, it's very, very difficult to not put him on the team sheet because his football, his aggressiveness, his, uh, his experience defensively, he's so good. And then, you know, Aki on the lines was was uh, was really good, having not played a lot of rugby before that tour. So uh, some people have different opinions. And, 
they're not necessarily wrong either. But I think for me, it's Henshaw and, and Ringrose to start that Welsh game. And the wings, Mal O'Kelly, are we splitting hairs when we talk about Andrew Conway, Keith Earls and Robert Balakoon? Balakoon is also new on the scene. He's very quick, also has yeah. strength. How do you see the, the wing positions? Because James Lowe is obviously injured, you know? Yeah, and I was going to say, yeah, James Lowe is obviously the, uh, in the mix and Jordan Larmer is another who, you know, is not far away there either. So again, we've got a, you know, quite a, a, a strong group of guys vying for two positions. Um, and again, the likes of Balakoon, I think it's important again to give him some some uh, Six Nations time. Uh, you know, he may get a, he may get a nod through through injury whether they would start them now I would probably think they'll stick with the two Munster boys um, just for that experience and uh, uh, you know the, the real safe pair of hands um, but I think Balakoon is certainly one uh, who I would again think it important that Ireland uh, feature him in some shape or form um, be it off the bench or, uh, you know, a start in, in one of the other matches. Um, and, you know, not you don't want him just getting five, ten minutes. Again, you just need him seeing some game time. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll see James Lowe this Six Nations, uh, but obviously if he was to come in as well, like uh, he, adds, he adds another dimension as well that I think would be valuable for Ireland and the Six Nations, uh, someone who can give you those few couple of yards, few yards, and he showed what he can do defensively as well uh, against New Zealand. So I think, uh, again, we're, we're well supplied uh, in that regard. Um, so, yeah, positive, positive problem. And also positions, Quinny, that there are possibly no rivals for and these players are so important and they don't get talked about because maybe there's no competition for their places. Hugo Keenan is one example at fullback and uh, Tyke Furlong at number three. It's a concern, John. Um, the fullback position, Hugo Keenan has met at his own. I think he's a wonderful footballer, balanced runner. Um, he makes really good decisions on the field and he's someone who is... I hope people... Uh, believe in his value and understand his value he's been absolutely rock solid for Ireland and really intelligent footballer it's a concern if Hugo Keenan got injured who plays full back um, and that is a worry and a concern you know Zebo is probably the most natural replacement full back he's not in the squad he hasn't played enough of rugby for Munster Jordan Larmer has played full back before and as Mal mentioned I watched Jordan Larmer closely against Montpellier given it was a very weak Montpellier team two weeks ago and there was something about him that I thought he had a spark back in his game um, he looked really strong and physical and he still is a real option he's he's an extra he's he's one of these players who has that X factor who can do something really special um, so Balakun for me I think if Andy Farrell can get him in there and he can prosper there. Would it be a tough call on Keith Earls or Andrew Conway? Yes, it would. I think Conway played really well in November. Keith Earls has been, you know, outstanding for Ireland throughout his whole career. Um, hasn't played a lot of rugby recently. Most probably will play in the left wing with James Logan. But I just think if you can get Balakun in there and given the World Cup is, is less than two years away and the out and out speed of this guy, if he gets his confidence up and starts you know, getting enough of ball in space, I think he can really hurt teams. But 
it would be a concern to full back position if 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 um, Hugo Keenan didn't play. I think with the tight head position, obviously Andrew Porter can move over there. Keen Healy, Dave Kilcoyne can come in. Finley Bealham. There's a little bit more depth there. I think Porter is such an important player to Ireland now, and and given that if they're fit and well, Porter, Kelleher, and Furlong will start. They're world class players. They can make a real difference. They've such a physical presence, and they're great footballers as well. But any team, and I don't, I don't think we can afford to lose someone. We can manage probably without tight Furlong for a game or two, but I think he's a big loss because he's the best tight head in the world, and he is so aggressive and so physical with the ball, without the ball, and he gives so much options in attack. If there's any kind of concern for me, and it has been maybe an issue in the last couple of years when we've played big English pack or, or South African teams or. Um, is the second row is that bit of ballast that bit of aggression that bit of uh, brute force um, and the game is changing a little bit and, and we're not stu- I'm not stuck in, in the old days of having a big bruiser of a second row because we have you know uh, James Ryan Byrne Henderson they're brilliant footballers um, and they're great players but you know what the f- front row and what Furlong gives with aggression is and, and his footballing skills is second to none of course, he'd be a loss if he didn't play. But I just think the one that really stands out for me is Hugo Keenan because it really disrupts that back three and will give the opposition possibilities of, of really targeting that area. And with Keenan there now, I think he's been rock solid under the high ball. Uh, 53106, uh, lads, my brother Johnny Ball was terrified starting secondary school. My father told him, go into class and make friends with the biggest guy in your class and nobody will mess with you. Malcolm was the biggest guy in the class. My father was right. Mal Kelly on 53106. He was a gentle giant, John. A gentle giant. I, I met Mal when I was about 18 or 19 on one of these, um, these uh, national camps in Dublin and uh, I was the same. God, I could not get over the size of this fella. And uh, but he was a gentle giant. He wasn't scary at all, really. Off the field, I would say. Not even my shaved head, Quinny, or was it? Uh, I had, had a bit of a skin. I had a bit of a skinhead myself back then. Yeah, but I just couldn't I've get learned, over how I've tall you were. Now since. Yeah, and I've still kept it tight. But anyway, very good. It works for some people, John. I think in school. Yeah, it, it does big time. Uh, we're previewing the Six Nations uh, on Off the Ball here. Our coverage thanks to Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team, team of us, everyone in, Quinny and Malo Kelly here. Uh, just on the second row that Quinny was just referring to there, Malo Kelly, that's your position. Uh, Ian Henderson is injured. Whether he'll be back for the Wales game or all the games uh, remains to be seen. But at the moment, let's just say he's not. James Ryan's going to be one of them. Who's the other player going to be you've got Tyg Byrne is a very versatile player and you've got like likes of Kieran Treadwell and Ryan Baird pushing for a for a spot yeah like um I, I've spoken with you guys before about the the, the need for the likes for Tyg Byrne to be on the pitch you know and he's such an important player uh for Ireland around breakdown um and is and just as a as a footballer he he can fit in uh to the back row and equally into the second row and and you know with the likes of Ian Henderson out a uh, tight burn is just a, a great fit for Ireland and just a great uh, safe pair of hands um uh, and James Ryan he hasn't played much football but you know you're going to you're Asking, you're asking uh, a big, a big ask for him to come in and you know get up to speed. Uh, and I think you can, you can carry one guy like that. He, he like he's such a phenomenal athlete that he'll, 
he's he's well experienced, so should should be should be able to get off uh, off the ground running. Um, um, so you've got you've got some pretty good uh, like Quinny Quinny was saying like the, you know I suppose neither lads are you know that traditional huge second row, but you know the, those guys are are are, are less and less uh, prominent now. Um, we see more and more guys. Uh, coming from the back row, coming into the second row, the importance of being, you know, around the park. Um, you know, it's not maybe not quite as important to be to be quite as big. You know, it's about being mobile. You know, about having the ability to play football. Um, so both these guys can do that. Um, um, so yeah, and I think Ryan Baird off the bench, he brings he brings something different. Um, He's a very exciting player, uh, you know, to come on and, you know, make that impact when, when you know, Ireland most needed uh, would be, you know, uh, would be a great asset uh, for, for the team. Um, and then, you know, you, you, you have to wait on Ian Henderson. You know, he, he may come back um, throughout the, 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 the campaign. Uh, and, and I'm sure at any stage they'll take him back in. Um, but with the the just January Six Nations is such a drain on on players' uh, energy. Uh, it's a really really tough campaign, and you know to have Henderson coming back in at some stage, he might be he, he might be uh, vital uh, for the guys or maybe other guys down. Um, so I think uh, it'd always be good to keep an eye on where he is and uh, when when Ireland can use him. When we talk about your position, Quinny, in the back row, uh, is it the case that it's Doris, Van der Fleer and Conan with Peter Mahoney kind of floating because Mahoney can do all the positions, he can cover all the positions? Yeah, it is, I think. And again, that's based on November. And I think Peter Mahoney, in fairness, has played really well this year for Munster in tough, tough, challenging circumstances. I've watched him pretty close. And when you do some of the commentaries and some of the games, um, you get to see it from a really high up angle and just his work rate and, and his contributions, I think. And he knows that he's he's not a young fella anymore. He has to play well and, and he has to show that desire to, to try and stay in around the Irish squad. And he'll know that Doris um, is a wonderful footballer and he's a really exciting player who offers, you know, such a variety to his game. Jack Conan, I think what he's done in the last 14 or 15 months has been been brilliant he's taken his game to a new level and, and van der Fleer so it's a very difficult back row to get in and I experienced that a lot of my career um, every time I got close to the Irish team there was you know a Jamie Heaslip a Stephen Ferris a Sean O'Brien a Dennis Leamy there Simon Easterby it was just the, the end was the list was endless and it's a very competitive area and uh, Nick Timoney has done really well for Ulster and some of the, some of the, the fringe players might get it many caps throughout their careers if these guys keep going for the next couple of years but that's what it looks like John to everybody there's no great surprises there won't be any great surprises in this Irish team that's picked for Wales next week and I think that back row were, were absolutely outstanding in, in November and they're going to be really really important to us if we want to be competitive and, and maybe even with a chance of winning the Six Nations I think they're vital those three we spoke about Wales with Mike Roddick before 2 o'clock and folks if you missed the first half of the chat you can check out the podcast on the OTB Sports app a bit later on. Scotland Malochetti I'm looking at the stats here in the last 15 months they've beaten Australia England, France and Wales Finn Russell we know is a, a maverick almost uh, player Stuart Hogg they roll off the tongue Gregor Townsend's done a very good job in coaching them how have they become a team now that 
were once maybe seen as the fourth best team or the fifth best team in the competition yeah. to a team that has to be reckoned with now and could cause us problems in Dublin. Yeah, well, well uh, firstly, I do. I, I, I agree with you. I think Scotland have really come on and the stats prove it. Uh, I, I think it's a lot to do with, with their their structure within Scotland. You know, Edinburgh and Glasgow are now two really strong sides. Um and they've managed to maintain a lot of their players and hold on to them. Yet some of them, uh, some of them have moved on. Uh, key players are playing elsewhere, and they're kind of growing their their own, uh, you know, a list, their own group of players within those two teams as well. So they have, uh, you know, some real quality. Um, they've got so they have a great spine. I think you know they've got a great back row. Uh, they've, they're a great back. They've great back three, real physical speed, and then you've got a uh, a mercurial number ten uh, and and a real a dogged number nine. So you, you've got it. You've got a, a basis of a great group, and then on top of that, you've got a you know a, a real quality forward thinking uh, manager and Gregor Townsend. Um, so they've been developing and developing and coming and 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 they are now. They are now going to be a real challenge to anybody going going to Murrayfield. Like England have to go there first, uh, and that is going to be a really tough game. Um, and it's whether or not the Scottish front five can really uh, stand up uh, there and you know really make t- life difficult for England. Um, because I think England would be conservative going in uh, play, playing that game, and I and I do think if if Scotland really go for it, then. Uh, you know, if Finn Russell can make the right decisions and not absolutely blow up, then you know Scotland are going to be a real challenge. And um, I would be, I would be hopeful the fact that we've got them at home that we will, we will be able to do a job on them. But uh, they'll do well because they've got France at home as well, and then they've got Italy away and Wales away. So it could be just us who 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 beat them. Um, that's the way I'm seeing it. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, they're going to be good. Interesting, uh, Mal, on Scotland there. Quinny, uh, England, Eddie Jones is there for one reason, the World Cup, obviously, and he's trying to get players into different types of positions, and Owen Farrell is injured. Is Marcus Smith somebody from a non-Irish perspective we might be talking about at the end of the Six Nations? Yeah, he is. He's very talented. Um, he's still a bit of a maverick, for sure. I think Owen Farrell is a loss. His presence albeit I don't think he was at the same level um, as he has been in the height of his powers. I think he's he's obviously you know pushing on a bit now, but I just think his experience, his steel, his tenacity will be a loss to him. But Smith is a very talented player. He's a little he reminds me a little bit of, of Finn Russell. If you give these guys time and space and and um, they can do brilliant things in the field. You've got to put pressure on them and the Six Nations and Mal Altelia is full of pressure. Um, you can be fancying your chances against a team and they can make it really, really difficult. I've said it so many times over the years, we would regularly beat the Welsh um, regions and become pretty comfortable. And you see the same guys in a Welsh jersey and they just they just take their game and their aggression and their passion to a different level. Scotland are like that as well. At times you fancy your chances and I think it can be, you know, Marcus Smith is someone that... I just believe if that English pack perform for him, he can hurt teams. Um, he can he can really cause problems for them. If England get in their flow, and I don't think they'll be as bad as they were last year. Um, I think there's 
they're a different side now without the Vuna Fallers. And he's obviously made a decision that they're not going to be part of his plans going forward. Maybe they will come back in his plans. But they're not as fearsome looking and they don't have that fearsome feel about them that they did have the World Cup when you had two Alagi and the Vuna Polas. Atoje is obviously still a world-class player and can, can hurt a lot of teams. But there's a big... It's big pressure on Marcus Smith for the Six Nations now, and it'll be really interesting. England are a little bit the unknown um, going into this game, even though they have lots of good players. Tom Curry is world-class. Um, Luke Cowan-Dickey, I think, is, has become a top-class international hooker. Um, but it'll be really interesting to see how they go. And Mal mentioned this. You know, they've got to go to Scotland. Scotland beat him in Twickenham last year, and that's going to be a humdinger of a game. And they can really... The momentum you gain out of the first game can propel you forward or it can hope really kind of be a negative for you. So it'll be, that's a big game for both sides there. We have France the second up, uh, Mal, and around Valentine's weekend. And it's uh, interesting that they host England and Ireland. Uh, they need to win the competition. They haven't won it in 12 years. They've got a World Cup. They'll be hoping to win the, the World Cup for the first time at home. Galtier and Edwards, they'll obviously be trying things out to a degree in the Six Nations. Uh, but they've got Dupont and to Max Jalabert is it set up for them to win it? Um, well, they do have Ireland and England at home. Uh, there's nothing easy about winning a Grand Slam. Um, they have shown before their ability to absolutely throw it away. Um, they have an incredible amount of talent. Um, they have uh, great young uh, forwards who are so powerful Um and you know, at mo at, at moments they are just breathtaking to watch. Um obviously with the likes of DuPont and Entomac, uh, you know, having your best players in the right positions, you know, key players uh that can dictate the game, uh can turn the game on its head. Um uh and it's it's hard to find flaws with those guys. They just really are super uh, super players and, and they also they've got a great squad not just they've got players that can come in and out um, and then you know they've got a lot of great match winners out, out wide um, for for me it's all about that you know that the top two inches with the French um, I think Galtier has been working hugely with them um, and uh, their defence has, has has come on incredibly um, so they are more consistent. Um, I think over over the period in uh, the New Zealand over November, they had a really solid. They had a really solid win against Argentina. A little bit nervy, and then they had the New Zealand win, which was just incredible. Um, so those guys have been working hard on their ability to, you know, get get through the issues that they have to get across the line at the right, uh, you know, and win these big matches. So for me, for those, for me, those guys are, they are, the, they are, they're going to be the team to beat. Um, we have to go there and win, which is something we rarely do. Um, and for, for them, they would see us as probably the, their biggest threat. Um, so for, for them to beat us, uh, you know, would be a major step. Um, I think they have Italy first, so we would assume they'll win that. And then if they were to beat us, they would find themselves, I think, locking down a, an opportunity to win a Grand Slam. Yeah. So I think they've, they've, every, they've every chance to win a Grand Slam this year. And briefly, Quinny, on Italy, uh, Kieran Crowley there now, Paolo Garbisi, an exciting out half. Will they be able to improve in their recent showings because they have been a bit detached from the others? 
well, I think the problem is they play France up first and Italy have been really competitive in a lot of games for 40, 50, 60 minutes. They just, they, they seem to lose concentration, lose kind of any sort of ability to play for 80 minutes and they get punished a lot by teams. Um, they've been very disappointed the last few years and nobody wants to see it. And I think, unfortunately, we're probably going to have a similar situation again unless they do something special. And, you know, they have their moments in games that can be very physical. But, and I'll still I'll say this because Mal can probably relate it. When we played Italy back when we played a lot and, and I was involved in, in, in a lot of Italian games, you had to work incredibly hard to break them down. They were unbelievably physical, aggressive, a bit of narkiness about them and there was a bit of bite to all those games and you had to work really really hard to kind of get to the 50th 60th minute and then kind of if we pulled away great which you know we knew that and that was the mentality i think they just break down a lot now and they let allow teams score easy tries against them and they drop their heads and that's down to experience as well so i think it's going to be very difficult with france in the first game and then they've got england at home so and then we played them at home. So the first three games, you know, could really deflate them. And I think, um, unfortunately, I don't see them winning a game in this tournament. OK, we've got to leave it there. Just before we go, Quinny and Malo Kelly, uh, just one word answers if you can. Rapid fire round to finish our Six Nations preview. Who's going to win it? Give a team. Quinny? France. Mal? Uh, I'll go with France. Will there be a Grand Slam, Quinny? No. Mal? What's that, sorry? Will there be a Grand Slam? Uh, I'd say yeah I think France will win a grand slam who's going to be the player of the tournament Quinny well if France win it it'll most probably be Dupont um, so I'd say Antoine Dupont would you say the same thing Mal um, I'll go with Entomac Entomac which Irish player will surprise us Quinny uh, maybe Jack Carty I think if he gets some some game time, he's not going to get a huge amount. But I I really hope he does because I think he's shown some great glimpses with Connacht this year and and improved his game immeasurably. And Mal, who's going to surprise us from an Irish perspective? Uh, again, I'll pick someone. Uh, you know, try maybe. What about someone like Hume? Hume. If okay. uh, if if Ringrose was to get injured, Hume might get it. Get a nod and James Hume. And Ireland against Wales next Saturday. Quinny, are we going to win by how much? Uh, again, as I said at the start, you can you, when Wales are written off, that's when they usually go and yeah. win a Grand Slam. I remember two years ago, Scott Cornell was saying, "Brilliant, everyone's writing us off again," and they go and win the tournament. Um, I think we have enough experience and quality in the side now to cope with a, um, you know, the passion they'll bring next week. So I think fifteen-point win for Ireland. Would you go fifteen points, Mal? Uh, agreed. Yeah, I think Ireland at home are going to be very, very difficult for any team, especially with the crowds back. So, yeah, Ireland by 15. Malin Quinney, you're great to spend your time with us on Off the Ball Saturday here on News Talk. Enjoy the Six Nations. I know we can't wait for it, and thanks for your time today. Speak soon, folks. Thanks. Cheers, John. Thanks. Okay, we're going to get a preview of the first AIB All Ireland Club football semi final after this. The Saturday panel on Off the Ball. Rugby on Off the Ball with Vodafone, official sponsors of the Irish rugby team. Team of us, everyone in.